Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. So glad that you're tuning in. Um, we're getting back to church. Praise God. This is uh, January 10th. We've been out for nearly a month. Um, everybody, uh, including myself and my wife, have, have had COVID. We're over it. Uh, praise God. We have the antibodies now, and uh, hopefully that is going to get us through this season. Um, so glad to be back to church. I'm excited. I can't wait to see everybody. It's been a, a long, hard year, this 2020. But praise God, it's a new year, and we need to be excited. Not depressed because the elections didn't go the way we thought they should go. And I know things got crazy last week in our nation's capital. But you know what? God is still in control. He is still on the throne and we need not to live in fear. You know, when times are difficult is when revival really begins to take hold. I'm looking for a revival in the year 2020. God bless you. I hope you enjoy the message. It should be getting started here in just a few minutes. And I had some doubts uh, in my own heart. Uh, in fact, I, I remember just... I think it was last Wednesday, I said to Joe, I said, Satan is really working on me on this, that I'm just not, it's just not gonna work. I, my, my reading, I'm struggling, and everything I'm struggling, and I just don't know what I'm doing, and I've already spent a whole week or more into the study. And uh, then I got a call for the coffee visit with some pastors at a coffee shop, and so I went on Thursday, and my, they're all my friends, obviously, but, Pastor Jack from the Cowboy Church, we went around the room talking about, you know, world events, what's going on, and, and what are you guys preaching about? What, what are you talking about? And he said, I'm going to the beginning. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Because the title of this message, you can go to the next screen, is In the Beginning. There it is. In the beginning. This is exactly where John starts the Gospel of John. He doesn't go anywhere but to the beginning. And that confirmed in my heart, all right, Lord, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Because it sure didn't seem like I was. I love this study. It's, it's a, you can call it a study or a sermon series, whatever you want to call it. We're going to take a detailed look at the Gospel of John. And my hope is that to do a chapter a week, if, if, if I can keep from reading every single verse. And there's 21 chapters, which means we'll be at this for 21 weeks or so. I may have to de deviate a bit when it comes to Easter and Mother's Day, and unless I can make it fit, you know, whatever, it's, but we're gonna go through it. But here's an introduction that I found online. It was wrote by Ben Godwin in 2018. And I really liked how he said it. The Gospel of John is unique from the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're so-called similar content. That's what synoptic means, by the way, is similar. Okay, and so you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are, are very repetitive and they're, they're very similar to one another. But John is not. The synoptics, I have a hard time with that word, cover many of the same miracles, parables, even events of Jesus' life and ministry. There are a lot of overlap, repetition, and even 
some parallel passages that are nearly identical. Generally speaking, the synoptics or the similarity tell us what Jesus said and did. John tells us who Jesus is. And that's the exciting part, and I hope to get you excited about the book of John. It talks about who Jesus is. The synoptics focus on the signs and sayings of Christ, and they're so important, and we need to read those and study those. But John emphasizes on the identity of Christ. Many in the early church called John the spiritual gospel because of its deep insight into Jesus' divinity. Notice some of these unique features of John's gospel. There are only eight miracles recorded in John, six of which are unique to the book. That means not found anywhere else in Scripture. Contrast that to Mark, which details about 20 miracles and mentions 10 more. Then there, <clears throat> there are no parables in John. Compare that to 15 in Matthew, 9 in Mark, and over 35 in Luke. There are nine metaphors, figures of speech, illustrations in John used to describe Jesus. Here, I'll give you some. The bread of life, the living water, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the true vine. Every chapter in John provides a separate portrait of who Christ is and what he does, giving us greater insight into his character and nature. Man, do we need that today more than ever. John recorded detailed conversations Jesus held with individuals. Nicodemus, you guys remember that, John 3.16. The Samaritan woman, Martha, Mary Magdalene, and Peter. Over one-third of John's Gospels, chapters 12 through 19, cover the last week of Jesus' life. We're not, we don't get that anywhere else. There are nine... Nine I am statements from Jesus. I am the bread of life, the living bread. I am the light of the world. Before Abram was, I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am he. And John continued this theme in the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. I am he who searches the reins and hearts. I am the root of the offering, offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star. John is called the Revelator because, among other things, he unveiled the true identity of Christ in a greater depth than any other Bible author. John drew close, closer to Jesus than any other disciple and was given deeper insight into his divine nature. Notice John didn't begin his gospel with the birth of Christ like Matthew and Luke. In fact, he mentions nothing about the nativity story of Mary and Joseph's trek to Bethlehem to be taxed and counted. Instead, he went all the way back to the origin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're going to read that in a little bit, John 1, 1. Revealed in the deity of Christ, 
in the very first verse of his gospel. You see, Jesus did not come to become the Son of God when he was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago. He's always been the eternal God. He's always been the pre-existent Son of God. He merely assumed a human body in Mary's tomb. The Word became human and lived among us. We're going to read that this morning too. Matthew traced Jesus' ancestry back to Abraham. Luke traced it back to Adam. But God traced it back to God the Father in eternity past. Furthermore, he disclosed how Christ predates time and creation and was co-creator with his Father. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And Paul agreed with this assertion in Colossians. John paid attention when others didn't and highlighted people whom Jesus revealed his Messiahship. He also included subtle statements when Christ shared his divinity, such as, I am the Father, I and my Father are one. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I know we all know this, but we need to get it back in our hearts. John clearly stated the purpose of his gospel. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you and by believing, you may have life in his name. John presented Christ so persuasively that his, re believe, that his readers believe and receive eternal life through him. That's why we tell people so often, where do I start? Read the book of John. You got to figure out who this Jesus is, and this will help you to believe. This is obvious by the key words. 52 times he said, believe. 27 times he said, believed. 17 times in the New King James, he said, believeth. And believing twice. John used some form of the word believe 98 times in his gospel. John is like a mechanic who opens the car hood to see what makes it run. And in the process, got some anointing oil all over him. Amen? Remember, John literally laid his head on the chest of Christ and heard the heartbeat of God. The synoptics gospels inform us that Jesus said, and John's gospel digs even deeper and tells us, who Jesus is. It's, the gospel is so incredible. You know, I, I was just telling Joe this last night because I, I read that verse over again. And it reminded me of when I was a kid. I can remember not to walk too far away from this stupid thing. When I was a kid, a little kid, probably five years old, by the time you really start remembering things, I remember crawling up on my dad's lap and I'd lay his head on, I'd lay my head on his chest, and I'd say, talk. And he'd say, what do you want me to say? And I said, I don't know, I just, just talk. And he says, why? I said, because I want to hear it from the inside. Imagine John laying his head on Jesus' chest. 
and could hear his heartbeat, could hear him breathe. I don't know if you ever did that with your dad, but it's something I remember. Is this lane, I wanted to hear his voice coming through his chest. It's so profound. John started out as an ignorant fisherman. It tells you that in Acts 4.13. There you go, girl, you got it. Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Man, oh man, oh man, that's my prayer. I hope you guys see me as a dummy, ignorant so-and-so, know who I was and where I've been. I ain't been to college, I have no degree, but I want you to be able to say, he's been with Jesus. He's been with Jesus. But after spending extended time with Jesus, he transformed into a man on a mission to tell the world about the God-man he met at the shores of Galilee. So let's talk for a minute before, let's talk for a minute who John is. And where did he come from? John is one of two sons of Zebedee, a Galilean fisherman. And Salome was his wife. According to church history, it's not in the Bible, but according to church history, Salome was a sister of Mary, Jesus' mother. And Salome was Jesus' aunt. And her sons, James and John, were Jesus' cousins. See, a lot of this we don't pay attention to because we don't dig and study. Jesus then called Peter, Andrew, called Peter and Andrew, these two sons of Zebedee, to follow him. Peter and Andrew and the two sons. John and his brother James were among the first disciples called by Jesus. In the gospel according to Mark, John was always mentioned after James and was no doubt John was the younger brother of James. His mother was among those women who ministered to the circle of disciples. You know, you, we read that in the Bible that there were women that traveled with them. Salome was one of them. James and John were called Bonerges, sons of thunder, sons of thunder, perhaps of the same character trait, such as a zeal exemplified it in Mark 9.38 and Luke 9.54, when James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven and punish the crazy liberals in Washington. Sorry, didn't say that. Wanted to punish the Samaritan towns that did not accept Jesus. You guys remember that? They wanted to call fire down. I mean, let's just be done with them, Jesus. I, I won't go there. Because I know how they felt. John and his brother, together with St. Peter, formed the inner nucleus of the intimate disciples. In this fourth gospel, the gospel according to John, the sons of Zebedee are mentioned only once. As a being at the shores of the Sea of Tiberias when the risen Lord appeared. John was the last of the living disciples. All the others were killed as martyrs for their faith in Jesus. So if they killed all the others, why did they not kill John? 
<clears throat> well, it's an interesting story. The Bible doesn't give us a lot, but church history does. Church history tells us that they put John in boiling oil to kill him. Dropped him in a vat of boiling oil. Let's just cook him. He stood there and preached the gospel to him. He stood there and preached the gospel, and they got so upset. So many people got saved, and others got so upset that then they took him and put him on the island, Patmos, and hoped that he would just live and die there. And that's where God gave him the revelation to write Revelation. So here's a little church history. Historians of the church movement record, it was the second persecution of Christians under Domitian, AD 81 lists among the numerous martyrs that suffered during the persecution was Simon, Bishop of Jerusalem, who was crucified, St. John, who was boiled in oil and afterward banished to Patmos, Flava, the daughter of a Roman senator, was likewise banished for her belief in Jesus to, Pat, to Pontius. The law was made that no Christian, once brought before the tribunal, should be exempt from punishment with renouncing his religion. Yo, we could be faced with that. The way the world is turning and changing, if Jesus doesn't come, we could be faced with being forced, or they think they could force us to renounce our God, and it's never going to happen. I hope to build some excitement over the book of John. What I want to do each week, I'm going to give you guys homework, is to read the chapter we're on this week, chapter 1, and then I want you to read chapter 2. That way you can check up on me. Read chapter 2. That's your this week's assignment. Next week, we'll do chapter 2 over again, and then we'll read chapter 3. That's your next week's assignment. I believe God is going to open the hearts and minds with understanding of who Jesus is, and more importantly that, who you are in him. You need to know who you are. You need to know that you have the right to decree something that God has said you can decree. So let's look at John. Verse one. Now, if you, I've, I'm reading out of the New King James. You know, I, I realize this screen is really nice, but the one thing that I don't like about it is I don't see you guys reading your Bibles. Well, obviously, because I've got it on the screen, it makes the service go faster. I can move things right along by not having to turn to each scripture. But please do your homework. Be reading your Bibles. It's so important. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Man, did you get that? Who is he? He's God. The word was God. Let's jump down to verse uh, 14. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. It's, it makes no bones. We know who Jesus is. He is God. Revelations 9.13 says, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. He is. The Word of God is living. It's alive. You want to get close to Jesus. You know, my prayer is, Lord, I want to get closer to you. Try opening the book. Open the book. 
That's where I am. Read the book. Get it in you. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Notice he didn't say according to my likeness. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his son. He's talking to Jesus. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, we see him there. God and Jesus making man, woman in their image. But why would, you, would he send his own son to be tortured and killed? Why would God do that? Because he knew that it would be the only way that we could receive righteousness when we are not righteous. Not a single one of us in here deserves righteous. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to kill, steal, except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. We've got to believe that. It doesn't matter. We have eternity. Nobody's smiling. Come on, man. We have eternity. We cannot die. We have eternity. I don't care what kind of COVID virus wants to take this old body out in this world. I don't care. We have eternity. It's not about this body. It's not about this time. It's about the kingdom of God. So let's go back to John 2 through 12. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. You know, we read by saying, we don't stop and think about it. Without him, nothing was made. You wouldn't have the, the pew you're sitting on if God didn't make trees. And then after he made tree, he had to give somebody the idea to build it. It's all from God. Everything you see, everything you touch. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and life was the light of men. Man, we could just hang right there. Verse 5, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You know, since God brought light into the world, Satan's been trying to take that light out, and he can't do it. He cannot do it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now he's going to be talking about John the Baptist here. This isn't John the Apostle. This is John the Baptist. Verse 7, this man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Verse 8, he was, he was not the light but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. So don't be surprised, people. If they haven't accepted it, if they haven't experienced it, if they haven't been here, they're not going to understand it's not going to make any sense. And it's not supposed to until they get here and they learn and they accept who he is. 
Verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. That one breaks my heart. His own did not receive him. That's us. Verse 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Isn't that good? C.S. Lewis said it well. The son of God became a man to enable man to become sons of God. And it's so important that we get that. He became a man so that we could become sons. Let's skip down to verse 29. John 1, 29 says, In the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 30 says, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 31, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I come baptizing with water. Verse 32, then John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, that is God, notice it's capital H, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Ah, oh, Jesus. Verse 34, and I have seen and tasted that this is the Son of God. So John's making no bones here. He's putting it out there. This is him. This is he. Don't miss him. And again, the next day, John stood with the two of his disciples. You know, it, it's also in church history that it, it says that John had some disciples, the, John the Baptist, that actually left and started following Jesus. It's, it's recorded in some church history that that was James and John. That they were already, they were already hooked. They were already connected with God. They, they, and then when Jesus showed up, they said, that's it. That's it. That's what this is all about. We don't know that for sure, but that's what's just in some church history. <clears throat> Verse 36, and looking at Jesus, he walked and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. I love this. And they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and said, seeing them, following him, and said to them, what are you guys doing? What do you seek? Why are you following me? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say a translated teacher, where are you staying? You know, how much you want to bet that they just made that up? They just, they just needed to say something. He turned around and said, why are you guys following me? Um, we're just trying to figure out where you stay. And Jesus so graciously said, follow me. Follow me, I'll show you. I'll show you. It is so awesome. He said, come and see. And they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day until it was the 10th hour. And we believe that was like 4 p.m. At least that's the Jewish time frame. Verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated, we have found the Christ. And he said to him, and he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, Simon, the son of Jonah, you shall be called Cepheus, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus went into Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip, he, he gets excited. He goes out and finds Nathanael and said to him, we have found him who Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And I love this verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Tuolumne? I mean, think about it. We're in the back, little back sheep corner of the county. Can anything good come from, from Nazareth? Yeah, you wait and see. And Philip said, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, whom is no, whom is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Well, for a minute, let's think about what Jesus said. Isn't that a good thing? Someone who has no deceit in him. That's just amazing. And he said, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Philip called you when you were under. And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus was nowhere near that fig tree. Jesus has abilities that you and I don't have. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said I saw you under a fig tree, you believe? <laughs> Buddy, you'll see much greater things than this. He's saying the same thing to us. He's saying the same thing to us because we believe we're going to see much greater things than this. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you here, after you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. People, we need to see the angels ascending and descending right here upon our church upon our family. Great things, I believe, are going to happen in this year. And we need to pay attention. We need to stay in the word. We need to stay in strong and decree that our kids shall be saved and our neighbors shall be saved. I can't wait till this thing's over. I've been threatening this since before I retired that I'm going to go and knock on every door in this town. And it's time. It's time, as soon as I can do it without freaking them out. It's time to go knock on every door in this town and invite them to church. Do you realize the number one reason why people don't come and visit your church? Nobody asked. Nobody invited them. I want to see this place fill up, and it's not, I don't care about numbers. I praise God for what we have here. I want to see, I want to see the kingdom of God grow. I want to see that fellowship hall full of people. Kids running around here to where it drives us crazy. 
Praise God, then we know we're doing the work of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. Joe, you want to come up and plunk something on the piano, or you want me to send Tony up? What do you got? I don't know. You don't know? You can go, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. We're going to worship just a little bit together, and then I'm going to pray over you.